You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. What's going on, everybody? We're back. It's the Sooners Illustrated podcast, episode 26 on this Thursday, October 12th, 2023. Josh Calloway, Colin Kennedy, James E. Jackson, Tom Green have the show off on this bi-week Thursday. So can we just Colin and I hitting some recruiting and some things looking ahead to the second half of the season? CK, how are you doing, my guy? I am, uh, I don't know what a bi-week is. You know what I mean? Not guys like, it's called grind season. Uh, but no, man, I, I'm great. A lot going on, and, and this is one of the best times of the year. I mean, hockey started up, playoff baseball, we're getting close to college hoops, and then we're at the midpoint of the college football season. I'm having a blast, man. This is one of the best sports calendar stretches of the year. You're feeling pretty good about your Texas Rangers right now, I have to imagine. You're in a good yeah, spot. If you're, a, if you're an Astros fan, for the next – indefinite portion of the future <laughs> we're not friends i don't like you but after that we can be friends again so did you see uh the waterburger tweet i did not waterburger tweeted last night that with the rangers astros alcs they feel like donna kelsey in the super bowl <laughs> travis and jason kelsey's mom because uh they're torn but the state of texas is getting the team in there one way or another so it's just kind of cool i guess but i'll be pulling for you guys just for Look. so you know i'll be pulling for you guys if Whataburger is so torn and they need, I don't know, some sort of outlet or something to donate some of their stresses away, we're open and available for patty melts and things of that nature. So, Chili cheeseburger. It's back. Limited time. I got one a week or two ago. So good. So good. Um, speaking of Texas, we're coming off yeah. the Texas weekend. I'm still kind of reeling from it. Uh, those who listen to the Monday show probably knows I was a little under the weather. I still am a little, but I'm like 90%. I'm pretty much out of it. So I'm feeling a lot better. Got some energy back, ready for to get back to the season next week. But obviously we're going to get into a lot of recruiting stuff and some of the ramifications coming out of that weekend. But just to start, Colin, I wanted to just, I don't think people are tired of hearing about this game yet. So I'm just curious yeah. for you, obviously, Tom James and I were, were there at the Cotton Bowl. It's an all-timer. You've been to that game before. You were not there this weekend. So you were watching from afar. Just what was going through your mind as you're watching this game and what it was just can you put in perspective the win for Oklahoma and how you've kind of, I don't know, perceived the last week or so from your vantage point? Because it's been quite the turnaround for Oklahoma nationally, the perception. I mean, everybody, they're they're a playoff contender and all those things now, certainly after this weekend. It's been kind of crazy to watch just the turnaround in the narrative around this team the last you know few days or so. Yeah, first and foremost, I got to do my part because y'all did it when I wasn't on the show first time around. I have to do the Broke. same. Admit I was wrong. <laughs> I picked Texas. And look, I'm more than happy that I was wrong, right? I had the Longhorns, I think, by a right. touchdown. I, I, I said leading up, it's just silly that the narrative was Oklahoma didn't even necessarily deserve to 
be on that field, but they showed more than that. And again, I was more than happy to see my prediction play out the wrong direction because I'm watching that game. And I think the biggest thing for me is I know everyone's talking about how some people in the national scene are now starting to flip it and be like, oh, oh, you just won the Super Bowl. But in a way, this to me was like an indication. Oklahoma, I don't want to say they're back, right, for for risk of further judgment. This this was a, I don't want to say program changing, but it's a strong indicator that this is truly a different football program now. Mm. You know, and and this is why you guys come and listen to this because I try and give a couple of nuggets. I had a, a high school football coach in the state of Texas call me about two days after he was at the game with a couple of recruits. This guy coaches at a school with three or four guys with an OU offer. And he was like, I was telling everybody within earshot, I'm buying into OU. And yeah. when you think about it from that perspective, the reason why I ended up picking Texas by a one touchdown margin is I thought both programs had come along a very long way. But Oklahoma with this win showed that it's come a lot further than I think anyone could have anticipated. And mm-hmm. if you really think about it, the drastic turnover that's taken place over the past two years, I mean, this was not an easy challenge to take if you were Brent Venables and this staff. And the work that they've put in has not only paid off, but this win specifically showed that that work will continue to grow the program. And people are starting to truly buy into that message. And look, I, some of these guys that I was talking to, whether it be recruits or coaches in the state of Texas or wherever, they were like, just watching OU, th- there was a different type of mentality you could see yeah. from that football team that honestly, I don't think a lot of those guys had seen in years past. And I can tell you right now, there are a lot of people on the recruiting trail and in college football in general who believe that this sort of newfound blue-collar mentality, this defensive forward, aggressive offense type of identity for Oklahoma is is something that a lot of people want to be a part of. And I think for me, just watching it play out, I just remember, man, one quick thing. The game day thread was awesome. On Sooners Illustrated. I had a blast <laughs> interacting with our fans. It was it was so much fun. And I just remember when Texas takes that lead, a lot of people are in that chat going from Oklahoma could win this game to, well, better luck next year. And just to see that, what, minute-long drive essentially change yeah. the outlook of OU football in general. Again, a testament to what this staff and those players have accomplished. And again, it's it's something a lot of people now are really excited to buy into. How good was that video that they posted the other day? About seven minutes long. You got a good look at the uh, Danny Stutzman locker room speech before the game with uh, an all-time just bar. Uh, I'm certain about two things in life. One, that Oklahoma only fears God, and two, that Texas fears Oklahoma. I mean, oh, you won the game right there. It was over. If we had seen that, I think we all would have flipped our picks uh, right before kickoff because, yeah, I mean, they were fired up and ready to play, and we knew that. I actually wrote about that. That was one of my field vision takeaways from the field the next morning was, man, Oklahoma was dialed in. And they always are for you, Texas, but it was different. It was just different. They were ready to go. Um, I have to imagine that 
any high school recruit who saw that game, whether they were there or not, left very impressed. And as David Stone tweeted out, you know, the next day, who wouldn't want to be a part of this is, uh, I think, what the way you phrase something like that, talking about OU program. So that's where I wanted to go next, uh, CK. I mean, you talked about it a little bit there, but just what have you been hearing in terms of the recruiting ramifications coming out of this game? Obviously, it's just one game. We talked about it a little bit on Thursday. There's going to be a lot of guys there. Not every high school kid in the recruiting process isn't just as simple as, oh, oh, you beat Texas, so I'm going to go there instead. It's not how it works. But it also doesn't hurt you either to put forth a performance like that and to win and the emotion of it, the celebration afterward. Just what are some things you've been hearing, whether it's from guys who are committed, guys who are mulling it over, just kind of encapsulate the kind of momentum that Oklahoma has now coming off of this game. The, the, the big difference here is you don't necessarily in that game – win or lose recruiting battles based on the outcome. It's more so about the performance itself, right? What do you actually put on tape? Do you give these guys a vision that will stick in their mind perception-wise and have them buy into the long-term trajectory of the future of Oklahoma football? And, and obviously I talked about some high school coaches and what they were saying, that they were really impressed with what Brent Venable's team showed on both sides of the ball, it was clearly an indication that things had changed. But for a lot of recruits, I was told there were a ton of guys leaving that stadium who were not just buzzing, but like wouldn't stop talking about it on the car right. ride home. And there are a number of recruits who I've heard about, not just in 2024, but 2025, especially and even 2026, who – I'm just going to say, like, a lot of them are really considering trying to be a part of this for Oklahoma because mm -hmm. I think that they understand OU is now a more complete football program. There is development taking place. There is efficient play on both sides of the ball. On top of that, though, playing time is being warranted to young players. That was something that I think – from talking to a number of recruits really stood out to them as well from Caden Green playing essentially the entire yeah. second half and changing the outlook of that game to Peyton Bowen forcing the fumble in that game, PJ Adebowari in there. Little Kip the Lewis. Of, yeah, too, Kip yeah. Lewis, part of that huge goal line stand. That's the biggest thing now is, is it's not just the way that they played and, and what the outcome was, but how they looked, the vision that can be sold and, and, and things of that nature. And I, I'll just say this, like, especially now going into this bye week where Oklahoma can tail end that and go see guys and have that presence and have that be fresh on their mind. I, I'm expecting a lot of OU coaches to be on the road this week with a lot of momentum. And I think it's only going to further their standing with recruits. It's why I'm going to three different games this weekend. Right, because I, it's really hard to track down all the reactions, but everything has been positive to say the least. And I, I really do think that that win, while not just the outcome, the way that they looked, changed the perception of Oklahoma football with a lot of recruits across the country. Hundred percent. I mean, it just it was it was the performance of a program that you would want to be a part of. Doesn't doesn't see how or, or how why that'd be hard to to gather. Um, speaking of that. Tailing right off that, Oklahoma did pick up a commit this morning, actually. Daniel yeah. Akinkumi, who we've talked about on the show a couple of times, um, offensive lineman from across the pond, as they say over there in London, NFL Academy, visited Norman earlier this season, announced his commitment today. 
committed to the Sooners, threw up a horns down. Oklahoma's got him. We've talked about him a couple times, Cohen, but just the get for Oklahoma and how quickly can he be an impact guy? Just kind of, I guess, put it all into context for us. Oklahoma nails another guy here in their 2024 class. Well, I want to I want to start because we've talked a lot about the player here on the show. Sure. I want to start with like the human being. And it was something I tried to write about this morning. The mantra of uncommon effort within Oklahoma's football program that's constantly preached. I think however you want to frame it, you get exactly that in Daniel Akinkoon. Because if you don't know, you can read the full story as soon as illustrated, but mm-hmm. For our viewers and listeners, like this is a guy who once he knew he wanted to go play college football overseas. He's from England. He moved from London to Doncaster, which is roughly three hours away. He was telling me he used to take six hour round trip train rides to go from the NFL Academy to his high school. And he would have a portable microwave that he would bring with him on the train so that he could heat up all of his prepped meals that he had made on Sunday because he simply didn't have time to go get food throughout the week. He would get home from all those train rides and stuff and the training in high school at about 1130. He would then prep for the next day, go to bed around midnight, get up around 4, 430, and do it all the next day. And he's like eating portably microwaved meals that he made days ago while studying the game of football and learning how to play offensive line and understanding concepts and figuring out best workout plans. Right. And all of that eventually leads to him, obviously, getting to go from England to America, going to a couple of camps. I think over the course of a few camps, he ended up earning like 16 Division I offers through two trips. And here we are today. The guy has worked tirelessly to pursue his overseas dream. And when he arrives at Oklahoma, like that's what you're getting, right? I think that's above all, you're getting an uncommon effort type of individual. And especially at a position like offensive line, I mean, who what what the hell else would you want? You know, and I look at him six foot four and a half, six five. I think he can legitimately have a chance to play all five positions. He's worked at that with the NFL Academy. He is more than willing to do so at OU. I think you could probably see him playing tackle for the most part, but I also think too, just the natural athletic ability, he tests well, he's got a great frame. And on top of that, his ability to process and work hard at applying that information I, I see this guy probably needing some time, justifiably so, right, to fully adjust to what college football in America sure. is. But after, what, two years, maybe, I, I think this, the sky is the limit for this guy. And, again, it, when he finally puts on that OU uniform and let's say he takes some starting snaps, like I really do think it's important for Oklahoma fans to understand – what's gone into Daniel getting to this moment and then how he can apply that in his future at Oklahoma, just really special player in person. And I think across the board, that's the kind of guy Brad Venables and Bill Beanville look for. Sure. And we've talked about it before, but you know, 
pretty much every guy, it seems like, that Brent Venables and his staff have brought in, whether it's at the high school level or through the transfer portal. Obviously, they're good football players, but they've almost exclusively found good dudes and hardworking guys. And obviously, Daniel sounds like he fits right in that same mold. That's important to this staff. You know, obviously, they want good football players, but almost every guy they bring in across the board, when we talk to them in post-practice interviews or whatever, they always are polished and they're polite and they're hardworking. And, like, they just – they have a very good knack for finding just the right guys who kind of check both those boxes. And uh, Akin Kunmi feels like he fits right into that fold uh, as well. So from one Thursday commit to potentially another one, next Thursday is when Michael Boganowski is going to make his commitment official. A uh, guy we talked about a couple times as well, Junction City, Kansas linebacker. He's a four-star composite guy committing next Thursday. So he's going to lock it in. How are you feeling about where Oklahoma sits here a week away from him making his decision? Um, if it's not Oklahoma, who? And just, I guess, overall, just the general vibe coming out of uh, Junction City about where Boganowski stands with the Sooners. Yeah, another little nugget for the viewers and listeners. I'm expecting Michael Boganowski to be announcing in familiar territory. Uh, sources are indicating that he might be willing to make his decision public with 24-7 sports. So nice. stay tuned for that. But if that happens, yeah. I would assume that Oklahoma's in good standing down the stretch. Now, I obviously put in a, a crystal ball. I'm thinking OU's in a really good spot, and I dove into the reasons why. But long story short, Oklahoma has kind of, again, taken a different path here within his recruitment. I mean, they're one of the first to offer him as a safety. They are one of the few schools headed to the SEC in his recruitment, things of that nature. And Oklahoma has not always been in the driver's seat. In fact, far from it. Mm. I think that Kansas State for a long time was perceived to be the destination and could easily still be the destination. I mean, we're a week away, and K-State's going to counterpunch, right? And so from the Wildcats having ties to the Boganowski family to Manhattan being 40 minutes down the street from his house, I, I mean, I think a lot of people just felt it was a foregone conclusion that Boganowski – would end up at K-State. And I think at one point you saw you send out a few new safety offers and some of them didn't have anything to do with Boganowski, but I, I do think some of them did. And I would say, again, a testament to what recruiting looks like and what it could look like with Boganowski here. I really think over the past week and a half or so, Josh, that this one's changed a little bit. And so, again, I'm thinking Oklahoma's the leader. I could see a world where I have to change my pick to Kansas State because I think the Wildcats are are going to do whatever it takes to flip this one back into their favor. Mm -hmm. As things stand today, man, OU has accomplished a lot. And I think one thing that stands out to me, you can find this at 24-7 Sports. He did an interview with our Ryan Wallace, a good buddy of mine, over at GoPowerCat.com. And Boganowski said, I am watching thoroughly how teams are doing on Saturdays from a culture perspective to a success perspective to a fit perspective. At the end of the day, the way things have gone for OU recently, especially after that OU-Texas win, I think that favors the Sooners on all fronts. Sure. And K-State, you know, again, how much does it matter? 
only he could tell you, but K-State had a couple of disappointing losses um, this season. They were supposed to be kind of that next team in the Big 12 after OU and Texas, and it hasn't really played out that way so far, so half a season ago. So we'll keep an eye out for that, though. Next Thursday, Boganowski will lock it in. Obviously, you should know by now. 24-7 Sports, Oklahoma.247Sports, Thursday Illustrated. We'll let you know uh, when Boganowski makes his commitment official. And like Colin said, he may be making that decision on 24-7 Sports. So if he does, obviously be sure to tune in, and we'll let you know where you can find that uh, whenever that becomes official, if that's the way that goes. Another guy. We haven't talked about him, I think, really much at all on the show, but OU fans are probably at least somewhat familiar with him. But if you're not, Eddie Pierre-Louis, offensive mm-hmm. lineman from Tampa, Florida, Tampa Catholic, which is the same high school that Lewis Carter went to, obviously a current commit or current freshman linebacker for the Sooners. He's a four-star composite guy, top 15 lineman in the country, about top 35-ish player in Florida. How are you feeling about Oklahoma sits with him? Um, you got a crystal ball in for him, so obviously I imagine you're feeling pretty good. And then also yeah. just kind of timeline for for EPL here, um, obviously, as Oklahoma tries to get another guy to that 24 offensive line class. We just talked about Akin Kunmi, Bill Bimbo staying busy here trying to get himself another one with uh, Pierre-Louis. Yeah, so if, if any Oklahoma fans are interested in learning more about Eddie Pierre-Louis, I would encourage you to go subscribe to Sooners Illustrated. I think you can get a month for a dollar right now and i i would say even with a prediction in i'm still playing this one cautiously and i I dove into that in the prediction article but long story short i don't want to dive into why too much but i do know that even with a lot of predictions flowing in in favor of oklahoma here with eddie pierre louis I've heard that some people in his camp have sent out some reassurances, if you will, to other staffs involved in his recruitment. And justifiably so, because I had heard as even as recently as a couple days ago, mm-hmm. that there were a lot of college coaches and staffs who are keeping close tabs on this. And Eddie Pierre-Louis, I think, is kind of a wild card. We talk a lot about Grant Bricks and how that wild card is continuing to wait to be played. Right. But I legitimately think Eddie Pierre-Louis could announce his commitment to whatever school literally as we're recording this. I'm not ruling that out. So if that's the case, again, I think Oklahoma, obviously based on my prediction, would be the beneficiary of that. But let's say even he delays from like an announcement right now to later this afternoon or a couple days down the road, there are a couple other big name, very recruiting forward and aggressive programs involved with him right. that would like to see that happen. So I think OU's done a really good job here. It helps that OU's moving to the SEC with someone like this, right? Because he's Florida-based. He would get to have the the – the perks of being in Oklahoma and being an offensive lineman from a development perspective and all that. But then he would be able to play in familiar territory with Oklahoma's mm-hmm. move to the Southeastern Conference so his family could see him play a couple times. Yeah, I, I like what Oklahoma's accomplished here, and they have a lot of offensive line commits already. Eddie Pierre-Louis could certainly be the next one at, at literally any moment. It's just a matter of what happens next because, like I mentioned, I have a prediction in, but – still feel like it's worth hinting at a little bit of caution along with that as well. For sure. Yeah. Pierre-Louis, you mentioned, you know, long offer 
uh, offer sheet. We've got 42 offers uh, officially in the, in the database, including Alabama and Oregon are in there in the mix. So going to be a, a good get if they can find a way to do it. Like you said, hasn't announced any official commit day yet. So his timeline's a little murky. Um, so we'll see whenever he does make that official. We'll be sure to obviously, if assuming it fits into, uh, if he commits today, like you said, then obviously not. But if he once he makes his eighth, Commitment date official. We'll be sure to give you a little bit of a temperature check on how things are feeling going into that whenever we get there. But uh, for now, Oklahoma feels like they're in pretty good shape, it sounds like, with EPL, which is just easier to say than the the big, long, hyphenated yeah. name. And Bill Beanbow continuing to put together that uh, 24 class on the offensive line, like you said. Um, any chases of 25 guys we talked about in the past as well. The Sooners Illustrated Podcast will be back after this short break. So... Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you got to do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Overall, Oklahoma, obviously a phenomenal start to this season, 6-0. and And uh, Tom, James, and I talked about a little bit on Monday, kind of looking ahead to the second half a little bit. And uh, we'll do a little bit more of that here on the way out. Shorter show today on the bye week. Colin, first off, before we get into, like, second half of the season stuff, mm-hmm. just for you, obviously we have you on every Thursday and you break down the next game. We talk about that. But just what are your impressions have been of this team so far through the first six games? And I'll, I'll frame it in the, the context of the same thing I asked Tom and James on Monday. How far can the team go? I mean, six games in, it, it feels like, I mean, now certainly in the playoff race, do you feel like this team's capable of getting over the top and finally winning a playoff game, maybe winning a national title? What's kind of been your impression through six games of what you've seen? What surprised you? What's been underwhelmed? Whatever, however you want to take it. What's kind of been some things that have stuck out to you the first half of the season here for the Sooners? I think biggest surprise in the positive sense through the first six games, I, I truly did not expect – Oklahoma to be this far along from just a program development perspective. And I think for me, the defensive side of the ball, I I remember I was on one of our national podcasts for 24-7 sports, and I'm talking to our director of scouting, Andrew Ivins, and one of our heads of scouting, Cooper Patagna. 
And I said in our, like a preseason preview podcast that there was even more optimism potentially regarding the defensive side of the ball for OU going in than the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And I got some looks from two guys who know a lot of football. You know what I mean? So I I was sweating it. But, I look, man, I think that's the biggest thing is like, as weird as it is, a lot of people in the Oklahoma beat, including myself, had that sort of take, if you want to call it that. And to this point, like, that's literally come to fruition. I mean, the defense, time and again, actually is epitomizing what Brent Venables wants right. it to be. And I, as much as I talked about it in the preseason going up and how, like, one of my keys to the game in our round table was, was Desan McCullough, for example, right? And the guy is in on three of the four plays during that goal line stand that will go down in history. It It's really cool, and it's and it's – positively surprising to see something like that play out and make you right and make this staff right. Because I think because of that, the ceiling is very high. And I'll get into that. But real quick on the flip side, because we got to address positive and negatives. I'm still wildly surprised. And I guess this is even positive too. I, I'm very surprised they're having this much success without a consistent run game. From Completely agree. Yeah. I, look, you and I have been around Oklahoma football for a long time. Can you remember? Can you name me one team in the history of this program that's had this type of success and just doesn't run the ball with their running backs very much? Right, right. Because that was a common misconception with Lincoln. You know, is that they just threw the ball all over the place. You know, air raid really wasn't like that. They really liked to run the ball. They were much more balanced under Lincoln than the national narrative was. But you're right. This year, it's been. Puzzling, and part of that has been extenuating circumstances of Javante Barnes hasn't been 100%, so they haven't right. used him. Gavin Sawchuk was banged up in camp, so he was kind of behind. But, yeah, you're right. I, even so, if you had told me coming into the year, Barnes and Sawchuk are both not going to be that much of a factor, I still would have thought Major and Walker, they'll be all right. And they've been all right. They both had moments, but you're right. I mean, it hasn't been nearly the level that we thought it was. But coming into the year, the running backs were in one of the positions of the most depth and strength of the team, and it's kind of been a little bit of a – you know, kind of hit or miss the first six games. And that's why it's a massive surprise. Because, like, if right. you think back on it, exactly like you mentioned, even in the Riley tenure from guys like Pirine and Mixon whenever he was the offensive coordinator and calling plays to Ramondre Stevenson, who they uh-huh. pulled out of Juco and he just destroyed. I mean, they have almost always found a way to find an arguably elite running back. And just – even when I'm watching the Red River game, Josh, and I'm watching Tawi Walker lay down, I, I mean, game-altering blocks in the past game. And I noted it in some post-game stories. He he made some plays, like, in pass protection that won't be remembered. But Tawi Walker did some really good things for OU. And even then, when he was running downhill and making plays for them, they still weren't gashing Texas on the ground, which – Yes, it's hard to do that against Texas front seven, but oh, you found a way to be successful in the pass game. And so, yeah, I mean, like, that's the other part of this is like, again, the fact that they've had all this success and they've developed the program, especially on the defensive side of the ball, they're playing pretty well offensively. And they just don't have that presence in the backfield right now. So, wildly surprising on both fronts, but to end it, 
I legitimately could see this Oklahoma team within the context of the rest of the college football landscape, especially this year. Right. I, can you look me in the eyes and tell me that if they catch a team on a bad day, they couldn't do the same thing like TCU did last year? You know, like going into that, that playoff game between Michigan and TCU, for example, everyone thought Michigan was going to run run the race, right? And the Horn Frogs find their way into the national championship. I, Oklahoma, on paper, should be able to replicate that, if not a little bit more. And when you look at other teams in college football right now, I still think George is the favorite, the way especially Carson Beck has clicked over the past few games. Michigan continues to look very good. Florida State out there, I, I had the Seminoles in a, in a college football playoff projection. But, yeah, man, I mean, you have to objectively say, because all of these teams towards the top of college football have had struggles at one point or another, I think it'd be a little bit – ridiculous to be like oh you couldn't go figure out a way to show up sure in one of those final four games so that's how i perceive it i don't know how you feel about it but i legitimately think we're now talking about a team that could go to the college ball playoff and the way that they are now playing on both sides of the ball i can't rule anything out sure no i mean that's the way i, I you know i kind of framed it on monday is who's the team that you right now would say yeah Oklahoma can't beat them that doesn't really exist right now i mean georgia's obviously rightfully so back-to-back -back champs number one they've kind of been hit or miss now they just rolled kentucky so it kind of shows when they're clicking what they can do michigan hasn't played anybody really yet they've really been tested so i, I kind of don't know how good they are although jj mccarthy looks great but i kind of yeah. don't really know how good they are right now so yeah the way oklahoma's playing it kind of feels like it's kind of crazy to say but why couldn't they get in the playoff and maybe do some damage when they get there but got a lot of work to do before then obviously yeah. I'll, so, I'll say this real quick, like the, especially like, for example, in the Texas prediction I made, sometimes I have this fear of being viewed as someone with clouded judgment, right? I mean, that you all, you never want to be perceived as a beat writer. You want to be an objective reporter who's giving fans or the college ball landscape a correct or somewhat accurate view of the, the team you're covering. And so, like, I was wrong on my Texas prediction. And, again, I will hand to admit that. I would still tell you, I would probably predict, maybe you would in the same sense, I'd probably predict a decent amount of those teams as the favorite over Oklahoma in a perceivable playoff game in this theoretic scenario. But again, like Oklahoma could go out and win. And I think you have to legitimately start talking about that as we play things out the rest of the way. And that's what I wanted to ask you next. So to kind of on the way out here, we, we were talking about and we're kind of planning some things we want to talk about on the show. And you brought up kind of talking about the second half of the schedule. And it's kind of interesting because if you ask us at the beginning of the year, you know, most difficult games left or most difficult games, period, whatever, yeah. our answer would be much different than I think they would be now. So let me ask you this. Simple question, but probably not a really easy answer. What's the toughest game Oklahoma has left, not including the Big 12 championship game? Uh, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there if we, if we need to. But the six yeah. games on the slate, <clears throat> you got UCF at home coming up next weekend. I don't think you're going to pick that. You go to Kansas after that, Bedlam and Stillwater, West Virginia, who's been the surprise team of the conference, comes to Norman. Then you got to go to Provo and the TCU on the Black Friday to end the regular season. What's the toughest game of that group? Do you like, you know, Kansas without Jalen Daniels maybe? BYU is kind of weird because it's a tough location. West Virginia yeah. has been kind of surprising. I mean, what what's the game that scares you the most if you're OU 
you know, on paper there. Because they all are, you know, extremely winnable, at least, you know, just looking at it. I think ESPN's win probability had them like 88 or 89% or higher in all of these games. So Oklahoma's going to be a heavy favorite in all of these. Yeah, I, I saw something, I think this morning or maybe yesterday, of some media outlet trying to portray Oklahoma as a team with one of the more difficult schedules down the stretch. I'm just going to be honest with you. Anyone who tries to tell you that, I don't know that if don't they're compare watching. compare it to one of those Big Ten teams or USC, what they have to deal with coming up. I mean, there are some teams that have some real gauntlets. Oklahoma is not one of them. Yeah, I just – especially if you know what these teams on the slate are dealing with, right? Like, John Rice Plumley for UCF has been banged up for a yeah. while. You mentioned Jalen Daniels. He hasn't been able to play, still dealing with like a back issue, which is out of games weekend, it sounds like. And there's some thought there that he may, he's only played three games this year. If he kind of shuts it down, he could save his eligibility. So there's kind of some worries about that coming out. Yeah. And then TCU loses Chandler Morris, former Oklahoma Sooner, who started the year as the starter last year, went down. Max Duggan pushes him. Then he comes into this year as a starter. He's now down. And they go to the backup as well. You're going to look at me and tell me Oklahoma State is actually a good football team or did they stumble into some luck in Stillwater on a Friday night? You know, I, <laughs> I just – I look at this this schedule and I would love to get your thoughts, but, like, my easy answer if Jalen Daniels is playing is that road game at Kansas because – I think KU's staff is incredibly talented. I think Kansas' defense has maybe exceeded expectations. But, I mean, if Jalen Daniels isn't playing, I don't know. I don't really see a scenario where it's actual upset territory, especially when I watched Jason Bean go play Texas and it didn't necessarily end up playing out all mm-hmm. that well. I don't buy Oklahoma State. I still am kind of hesitant on West Virginia. BYU at times is yucky to watch. I think they're a lot of fun. Like, I have a lot of respect for that program. Sure. It, they they want to rock fight you. And I think that game on the road could be very difficult. But, I mean, I, I don't know that I can paint a lot of paths for BYU to beat Oklahoma. And TCU, if Chandler Morris is still out, the Horn Frogs didn't even necessarily look all that consistent or great even before the injury there. So, right. yeah, I look. If Oklahoma doesn't win all these games, I'd be pretty surprised. Do I see, think that's something that's possible? Absolutely. I mean, you always have to account for some sort of slip-up game. It's, it's hard. hard. It's hard to go undefeated. Very hard. Yeah. Oklahoma hasn't done it in a long time. But like, especially when you consider not just the teams left on the schedule, also what those teams are dealing with, weirdly, especially the quarterback position. I mean, tell me a game where it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to slip up. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I, I do think that it's probably still Kansas, Jason Bean or not, Jason Bean or Jalen Daniels or not. Jason Bean has been one of the better backups in college football. And he played pretty well against OU last year. I know it's a completely different OU defense, but – um, he can still make plays, and it will be in Lawrence. That offense is pretty good. Their defense is terrible. Um, so I, I think Oklahoma's going to throw it all over the place. 
Yeah. So I still favor Oklahoma heavily, but I think that's probably the trickiest one. BYU could be tough, but I don't know how they're going to score against Oklahoma's defense. I do think Kalani Sitaki is a good coach, and uh, that place will be rocking. Um, so we'll have that going for him, but that hasn't seemed to phase Oklahoma so far. Uh, it was rocking in Cincinnati, and obviously OU Texas is split 50-50, but still, it's quite the environment, and it didn't matter then either. So I don't know. I, I Oklahoma will be heavy favorites in all these. I'm certainly going to pick Oklahoma to win all these when we when we do our predictions, barring something unforeseen. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy when you look at like what actually is the toughest game. Is it Kansas? It's kind of crazy. You don't to think that we would have said that a couple of years ago that anything would be the toughest game for OU. It's kind of amazing. Even the TCU game, which was like one of the games you were probably before the schedule came sure. out, you're like, oh, they could they could slip up. It's an 11 a.m. kick the Friday after Thanksgiving. I mean, what? Yeah. How do you lose that game at home when you're forcing that team to go on the road after Thanksgiving? Yeah. And play a morning kick. Like, I I think if they don't go and win all these games, I don't want to say we have to have a conversation, but, like, it shouldn't be a scenario where they're losing by more than three or four. If that makes sense, right? So, right. At, even if you slip up, I, Oklahoma should at least be more than competitive in every single game leading up to the Big Twelve Championship. And it's the thing too. I mean, Oklahoma, you know, as long as they stay dialed in and they don't overlook anybody, they're going to be fine in these games. But here's the thing too: that the Texas win bought you buffer. I mean, if Oklahoma loses one of these games, but then turns around and still wins the Big Twelve t- title game, presumably mm-hmm. against Texas again, they're twelve and one probably getting in still anyway. Now, obviously, they need to stay locked in and not worry about that, you know, but I can say that. The players can't say that. I can say that, though. Right. Um, you know, they 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 got some real cushion to play with here. But, yeah, Oklahoma's going to be favorites the rest of the way, and it's going to be a fun second half. I'm excited to break it down with you, man, the rest of the way, and we'll, we'll look forward to uh, UCF come Norman next week. That'll be fun. Some fun storylines there, obviously, with Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy having been there uh, previously. So that'll be a fun matchup. Uh, next weekend, different team coming to Norman uh, that we've never seen before. So that'll be fun to watch. Appreciate you, man, though. Good show. Hopefully everybody enjoyed it. Yeah. How are you feeling, man? Bye week, but you said not really for you because you got to go a bunch of ice. You got a bunch of high school games on the slate. I, I'll, I'll tell you this quick little uh, housekeeping note. I'll be at three games this weekend in the greater Houston area. I have heard that I might be at a couple of games that the Oklahoma staff will be as well. So it's grind season again for that Oklahoma staff. There's no such thing as a bye week. And then I know James is going to be at Carl Albert's game on Friday against Bishop McGinnis, which first of all is an in-state banger, right? I mean, those are two huge programs. But all those Carl Albert guys, there will be reports on the guys I'm going to go see, which I'll talk about as soon as illustrated. James will have that game covered. And then one thing that I will hint as we go out uh, that we'll talk about next week, 2024 class rankings update, the 24-7 sports today Mm. at 4 o'clock Central. So all of you out there, go tune in to the College Football Recruiting Show on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. They're going to show you where all these new OU commits are ranked, and then all those ranking updates will be available on the site as well so busy times man no such thing as a bye week but for everyone out there who is maybe taking the bye week off i encourage it go spend time with family and friends be safe traveling out there and 
A lot more football left to be played. I'm looking forward to it. 100%. It's going to be a really fun second half. Uh, we'll see where this team takes us. Who knows? Maybe we get an OU-Georgia rematch in the Rose Bowl. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that out there. Maybe we get it. Six years later. Seven years later. Six years later? Seven years later. I guess it'll be about the time the game comes around. So, six years. I'm six not, years later. I'm not a seventeen season. So, yeah, six years later. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much, my man. Uh, we'll catch up with you again next week, like you said. Rankings update, stuff like that. OU fans should want to peek into that. A couple of guys... Uh, probably getting some bumps, so uh, keep an eye on that coming out later today. Be sure to subscribe, oklahoma.247sports.com. I talked about it on Monday. OU Tech's weekend was massive. The site did crazy traffic. The YouTube channel did crazy traffic. We picked a bunch of new VIPs over the weekend. More coming this week. Great time to do it because it's going to be a fun second half, um, and this team has got chances to go some pretty special places, so you're going to want to hang out with us every step of the way in the second half of this season. So become a VIP subscriber pronto and uh, hang out with us the rest of the season. We'll be back on Monday, Tom, James, and I, to kind of get you ready for the second half of the season. And we'll look ahead to UCF a little bit. So we'll catch you then. For Colin Kennedy, I'm Josh Calloway. We'll see you next time on the Sooners Illustrated Podcast. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.